Welcome to this first episode of the second series uh, of The Health Revolution, recorded at UK Column. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome Clive DeCarl to the programme. Uh, thank you for joining us, Clive. This, of course, is going to be your series, uh, but uh, for this first episode, we're going to uh, do some questions and answers from the audience. Um, so, um, therefore, I'm going to host. So, welcome for, uh, to the programme. Um, Maybe we should just begin, uh, if you could, because a lot of people obviously know who you are, uh, but some won't. So uh, tell us about your background, how you got into health. Uh, and of course, what we're talking about here is health, uh, not medicine. Well, exactly. I have no medical qualifications. I used to work in the ophthalmic optics industry, and I started a contact lens company along with several others, which actually became the biggest contact lens company in the UK. And um, I had an antibiotic, which completely knocked me sideways. I was in hospital. They told me there was nothing they could do. But I figured out there was something I could do. And I started taking vitamins and minerals and got better. They said, arthritis is incurable. And they were wrong. So um, I started studying deeply what is health because it's a subject that doctors don't seem to be taught. You know, at no point in the five or six years doctors train do, do they bring in healthy people and say, look, let's look at these people. Why are they so fit and healthy? You know, what have they done right? So, you know, the medical profession is way more about disease management. So that's super complicated, you know, the chemistry of pharmacological drugs. The fact is that nobody's low on a drug. You know, there's not one of us whose body is crying out for a pharmaceutical drug. It's just not the way it works. But pretty much all of us are crying out for nutrition. We're all uh, poisoned to one degree or another, either from the air or the water or the food. We're all nutrient deficient because the soil, in most cases, unfortunately, has been destroyed by modern farming practices. Then there are people who are eating the wrong foods. You know, they're eating too much sugar. They're eating too many refined foods. Or when I say refined foods, you cook an egg and you've refined it, you might say. But um, ultra-processed foods are killing people. People literally are eating food that is filling them up, but giving them no nutrition whatsoever. So with the questions that I'm hopefully going to try and offer some answers to today, the basic answer is stop eating food that's bad for you. Stop drinking water that's poisoned. You know, change one's life to a more natural way of being that our ancestors would have recognized. You know, one of the questions that was posed was, well, how do we do it if we haven't got any money? And this is a massive question because so many people are poverty-stricken right now in the UK. You know, one of the richest countries in the world, and people can't afford to eat and eat their houses. It's total insanity. So there are things that people can do. Um, you know, people have said to me, well, we can't afford to eat organic or biodynamic. We just can't afford it, and it's not in the shops wherever we live. So one can order things by mail order. And one of the things that I recommend is sprouting foodstuffs. I mean, if you like chickpeas, for instance, you like hummus or falafel or something, uh, or to put in stews, you can soak 
something like a chickpea for 24 hours and um, rinse it, leave it dry in a container, it'll start sprouting. Rinse it again the next day, keep it dry in a container or damp rather. And three or four days pass and now your chickpea is four times as large as it was. It's the same with lentils or black beans. Um, you sprout it as maybe 20, 50, 100 times more potent than it was when it was just raw potential of a dried seed or a dried bean. Uh, you cannot do this with kidney beans, by the way. That's not safe. Raw kidney beans aren't, uh, aren't safe. But pretty much every other thing you can think of, you can sprout. You know, I used, you, you can sprout salads. You, know, you can get different seeds like onion seeds, garlic seeds, broccoli seeds, lettuce seeds, you name it. And you can literally sprout a salad, you know, beetroot seeds, mustard seeds. You put a few together in a kilner jar, keep them wet for maybe 12 hours or so, it doesn't matter if it's a bit longer. Rinse them out, put them in a sieve, put them back in the jar, leave them damp, rinse them every day, maybe twice a day if it's, the weather's hot. And again, you're sprouting your own food, making it incredibly potent. And it's ridiculously cheap doing it that way. You know, lentils are reasonably inexpensive. But get some organic lentils and sprout them. You've got a very, very cheap, fresh meal. You know, you, you're changing it from dormant to fresh and alive. So that's my basic bit of advice. You've just said rinse them. And so uh, and earlier you said uh, we're being poisoned by our water. So... What do you rinse them in? Right. Well, I'm pretty meticulous about uh, water. Um, I recommend, if you can afford it, get a whole house filter, maybe a filter right where the water's coming in from the street and filter the whole lot out. If you can't afford to do that, uh, you could use uh, a water filter jug. Um, I'm using one currently, and I'm not recommending this one. It's just that somebody gave it to me to try, called a Zero filter. It's over there. And uh, not too expensive for replacement cartridges, but it's better than nothing. What I'm doing here, because I've only just moved house, is I'm going to try and put in a whole house water system so the, uh, the shower, the, the bath, everything is filtered because the danger is that some of the water that may be supplied to you has come through uh, the sewage works. You know, in the sewage works, they do their best to filter the big solid stuff out. They separate, for instance, the waxes and oils from the rest of it. They, that's called soapification. They, send, they sell that product uh, to soap companies. Right? Beware what you're rubbing on your skin because it all goes in. But if, it, if the water is partially from a sewage works, they're not able to filter out the birth control pills or the drugs and other contaminants in there. So people are unwittingly getting antibiotics through the water. You know, so many people have an unbalanced estrogen level, men and women, and that could be not just from plastic water bottles, which do that, but from all the hormones and steroids and so on in the water supply. So whichever way you do it, I mean, up until recently, I've used uh, an Osmio device, which is fantastic, about, about this big. The downside, it costs about 400 quid. 
but it boils water, it filters water, it will, you know, all your needs with hot water in the kitchen, it sort of solves. Let's move on to some of the questions from uh, viewers and, and so on. Uh, and uh, well, it was minus three when I arrived at the office today. Um, so the first question I'm going to ask is, uh, are there any vitamins or minerals that have an impact on feeling the cold? Well, very much so. You know, the thyroid in the neck is responsible for temperature control. And what poor water will do, the chlorine in the water will strip the iodine from the thyroid and people will start to get cold. You know, most people aren't filtering the water that they're bathing in or swimming in or drinking, cooking in. So they've got a damaged thyroid. That's a lot of people. And so it means they're low on iodine. It also means they're low on the mineral selenium. Selenium and iodine go together. And most people who have cold hands and feet, if they start off with the right dose of iodine and the right, well, of the right type of iodine, the right dose, um, they will find within days, a few weeks, that various things might happen. If you're low on iodine and selenium and the thyroid isn't working properly, not only will you have cold hands and feet and probably feel generally cold, but you might have brain fog, just near the inability to think clearly. You might, one of the symptoms is dry skin. Women, women over, well, men, women at the age of menopause who are suffering from those menopausal symptoms, it's almost bound to be an iodine deficiency at the very core of it absolutely important and anybody who's not filtering all their water can pretty much guarantee they will have an iodine deficiency if they're using fluoride toothpaste or there's fluoride in their water they'll doubly have an iodine deficiency as well as a bit of neurotoxin going around their brain go back one step because i can hear people in my mind say how much iodine how much selenium should ah. we be using and um the good news is that iodine is incredibly inexpensive. Um, a year's worth costs about 20 pounds. So you don't have to be stingy with it, you might say. The selenium, a year's supply is about 100 pounds. So that's a bit more expensive, but not, not that terrible. So now, um, for years, I've suggested two ways that you can apply iodine. You can apply it through the skin. And if you want to do it that way, you need to be aware of two things. One is that maybe one person in 10,000 is allergic to it. So if you're going to try it on the skin, try one drop only and make sure you're not allergic to it, not having a painful reaction to it. So if you're all right with it on the skin, you can just paint the stuff on. Now, Japanese women who don't really have menopausal symptoms if they're eating the traditional diet, you know, in the Japanese language, there is no word for menopause, right? They don't have a word for it. It didn't used to happen. They have the equivalent of about 12 milligrams of iodine in all the sea fish and seaweed that they eat every day, which is equivalent to two drops of iodine if you were to put it in water and drink it. Now, some people are concerned that it might, it might be so powerful that the internal gut flora is damaged by drinking it. If you're concerned about that, you can put it on the skin, paint it on, um, but you need probably eight times as much 
if you're going to paint it on because of the evaporation that goes on. And bear in mind, if you are full of iodine, you paint it on the skin, it might stay there for 24 hours. So you want to be careful where you paint it, otherwise you're going to look dark brown. Um, but if somebody's very low on it, the body will suck the iodine in through the skin very, very quickly. And I've, I've seen it being painted on and go in half an hour. Wallop, because that person was so low, the body was sucking it in very, very fast. So, um, you know, I'm not giving medical advice, so please don't take anything that I'm saying as being a cure or um, specific instructions. You know, Mark Twain, the famous author, said, be careful what you read in a health book because you might get killed by a misprint. So anything I say, check, right? I could easily say a gram when I mean a milligram. Hopefully I don't make that mistake, but you know, I could. So luckily, on the supplements, you know, I, I make a lot of supplements because years ago, I didn't know what to buy. You look in the health food store, it's so confusing because there are a million brands and nobody knows which one to recommend. So I decided I'd try and make the best supplements out there, which I do. And the, the instructions about the iodine and selenium do appear on, on the bottle, as all the instructions do. Um, I can go into later about the Secret Health Club and how, because we're not allowed to publish uh, actual information on our website, uh, useful information about what something does, um, I started years ago uh, an outfit called Secret Health Club where uh, we can legally say things because it's behind a club. Um, so, yeah, you want to warm up? Iodine and selenium. Okay, so the next question was uh, about osteoarthritis and what, what people can do to, to ease that. Okay, so most people are aware, and the press are all over this, that it's about calcium. And in a way it's true, but you certainly don't want to take a calcium supplement. What happens with osteo, osteo anything, it's where you haven't got enough magnesium you're not eating the right foods to get enough vitamin K2, and the calcium that should be in the bones isn't. It might have gone to the arteries or some other place you don't want it, uh, like the joints. So um, arthritis is a buildup of calcium. It's calcifications of the joints. What dissolves calcium? Well, it's magnesium. Magnesium dissolves calcium. That's how I fixed my arthritis took a while, but it all went away. And then there's vitamin K2. So vitamin K2 comes from animals. You can also get it from natto, the fermented soya product. But if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, as a vegetarian, you're right. If you're eating, let's say, gouda cheese, there are a number of cheeses which are rich in K2, uh, fish, meat, all sorts of things have K2 in it. But if you're vegan, then unless you're eating natto, you're likely to have teeth problems and osteo issues. So the answer for osteo primarily is vitamin K2 and magnesium, but people might also need other factors. And again, the Secret Health Club has got lots of information about you know, the various options that one ha has to reverse it. There's no People are suffering, and it's crazy. Why are these people suffering? It's just because they don't know a few simple things. Have you got uh, any thoughts on, because this is a question that 
not, I mean, it was mentioned specifically uh, uh, in this batch of questions, but it's something that we get regularly. Do you have any thoughts on uh, people that uh, took the uh, COVID-19 jabs and, and what they might do to improve any health impacts from that? Yes. Well, there's an awful lot of things to consider. Um, one of the solutions, simple and cheap, that's going around, which a lot of people are attesting to being helped by, is nicotine patches. Why does the government not want you to have nicotine, not want you to have tobacco? Is it just because they want the revenue, but they're trying to put people off, you know, years ago in various societies, um, tobacco was worshipped. You know, it was looked upon as a very good thing with the shamanic way of things. Um, so it turns out that the weakest tobacco um, uh, nicotine patch you can buy, it doesn't have to be a strong one, just get a weak one, stick it on somewhere. You won't get addicted to nicotine for, uh, that way. It doesn't happen that way. And some people get great relief with that. So the other thing is, well, what, what has happened? Have we been poisoned? Well, the answer seems to be pretty clearly yes. How do you get rid of poisons? Well, uh, sulfur, for instance, the mineral sulfur, and you often find it as MSM. MSM. Um, sulfur neutralizes toxins, uh, also reverses scar tissue. Vitamin C is a great thing for getting toxins out. Charcoal is a great one. Uh, then you can make your body work better to get rid of toxins. For instance, um, I have a glutathione builder, which basically gives you the amino acids and minerals to make your liver work properly. And if your liver's making glutathione, uh, that's the ultimate sort of detoxification that our body makes itself. I don't recommend taking glutathione as a supplement but glutathione builder, the bare building blocks to allow the liver to do its job properly, that can be very useful. Uh, fulvic minerals, you know, soil-based fulvic minerals, inexpensive, one of the best detoxification things out there. Then there are people who favor things like coffee enemas. Now, a lot of people don't want to do an enema, but we do uh, a coffee enema as a suppository so you just pop it up your bum and the job's done without having to pour those coffee down there. Um, there are other uh, supplements we do which are specifically designed for certain toxins. For instance, um, you, know, you remember the mad cow disease thing where they realized that the chemicals they were giving the cows were giving them prions in the brain, which were sending them crazy. Well, um, a prion is a misfolded protein, and uh, it's believed that what the procedure did was to misfold proteins in the body, particularly in the brain, which are prions, and they can be a very bad thing. So there's a product called albidextrin, which is made from something called cyclodextrins, which will, um, it, it will correct that. If you've got age spots, for instance, those are toxic waxes, albidextrin will help get rid of those. Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I wish it was simpler and there were just a few things that one could go for that would do the detoxification. But, you know, with, with the procedure, 
uh, there's there's so much going on um, and there's a lot to deal with. I've made a lot of videos in the past about it and we could talk um, we could talk more about it in a specific episode. I could bring on a couple of experts that I've learned from and because it is a super important topic to really cover in depth, I think. Um, one of the other areas that has been uh, running uh, through the, the questioning has been uh, the issue of, uh, of uh, chronic fatigue. Um, and uh, I mean, various causes for that, but I mean, what, what, what do you think is, is a potential cause for that? And what, what may people, what could people do to, to help themselves? When I was young, um, a lot of people at school got jabbed um, with, you know, the, the few vaccinations they were giving you at that point. Glandular fever was the one that knocked out me and all my friends. We had a glandular fever jab, and loads of us were under the weather for, you know, I don't know, three weeks or something. So I think one's got to be very careful as to, you know, was there a cause, i.e. something like that, or is it natural? So let's assume that it's just natural. People suddenly get weak. They're diagnosed maybe with fibromyalgia or whatever it's called this week. Um, what really is it? Well, almost everybody um, with fibromyalgia is, is low on selenium. Pretty much all of them. I used to do, I used to test hundreds and hundreds of people's mineral levels. And that was super common because, again, agriculture has pretty much wiped out selenium in a lot of soils. Even 100 years ago, there wasn't selenium evenly distributed in soil. Some had the right amount and some really didn't have enough even then. You know, the soils have been damaged for a long time now. So selenium and magnesium, vitamin C, fulvic minerals, would I think be the first things I, I would look at. But um, you, know, you mentioned, I, I think when we spoke last, that one of the biggest dangers is people eating seed oils. People who are eating very refined oils, often in plastic, see-through bottles, corn oils, soya, soya oils, uh, sunflower oil, whatever it is, um, unless it says that it was processed at very low temperatures and is organic, um, you really are getting toxic poisoning. You know, the sugar industry said real fats, you know, butter, cream, animal fats, and so on are bad. They lied. Uh, it's the non-natural fats, you know, the, the only few fats you can trust that aren't lard or tallow or butter or whatever are coconut oil, if you don't cook it too too high, and extra virgin olive oil, if you don't cook it at too high a temperature. But going out to eat at the Chinese or the Indian, the chances are they use the cheapest oils they can possibly do, and it's causing heart disease. It's causing so much damage. So you want to change your diet. If you've got fibromyalgia, two ways to go. Change your diet. Um, if, if essentially detoxify your diet uh, or put nutrients in uh, or both. So, you know, we've got to get the toxins out. Any you know, could, could it be uh, metal poisoning? You know, there's so much metal in the air if you live near coal-fired power station, there's mercury in the air. 
selenium happens to be the best antidote that I know of for mercury poisoning. Selenium is incredible as a detoxification agent, and I've also seen it um, reverse uh, or allow people to come off really dangerous drugs that they couldn't otherwise get off, like alcohol, heroin, um, methadone. Uh, when people come off drugs, they think that it's the lack of the drugs that causes them all the terrible detoxification symptoms, but it's actually because they haven't got enough selenium, and selenium turns off the antitoxins that the body makes to try and help you cope with the toxic poisoning you're giving it, if that makes sense. Anyway, selenium can help in so many issues. Anybody who's got problems thinking, problems with uh, energy, selenium, magnesium, vitamin C, fulvic minerals would be the top ones to go for, and also salt. You you want a good multi-mineral, Celtic salt, real um, sea salt, not table salt. Real sea salt is a great supplement. I'm actually not sure where you where you get Celtic salt in in the UK. I mean, in France, it's freely available in just about every supermarket. And it's it's uh, it, what's interesting about it. It comes in large grains, and it's it's damp. It's wet when you get it. Uh, so it's not as convenient to use, but it's clearly uh, much better. I mean, if we're talking about salt. We've got Celtic salt, Himalayan salt, and we've got the type of table salt that, that you buy in a Saxa bottle. Uh, if, if you, I mean, in terms of the, the, the first two, which do you consider to be the best? Well, personally, I like the Celtic salt. You can buy it for about £8 a kilo on eBay, for example. So it is available. We just put in Celtic salt. Um, it's made by, they call it Sel de Guerande. And Garonde is, is, is a coastal region where there's a co-op and all the people who collect the salt, you know, they rake it up into big piles, uh, have a co-op. So it, it's quite a good system and it's incredibly healthy. Yes, it's grey. Yes, it's damp. But that's a good sign because if it's damp, it means that it still has the magnesium in it, which as magnesium attracts water to it. And it's not just salt. You know, there's micro elements, but, you know, um, uh, little bits of seaweed, little bits of all sorts of things. You know, it's, it's alive, fresh salt, newly harvested, has an element of life in it, you know, plankton or whatever, I'm, I'm not really sure. People ask, well, what about microplastics? And microplastics are a problem, but I, uh, it, it's not a problem that I choose to worry about. I'd rather eat the grey salt, not well, worry about the microplastics. Everything that we're coming in contact these days has been in contact with microplastics, and if 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 you know we're worried about microplastics and salt, this is the least of our concerns. I yeah. agree. Okay, so so obviously you prefer Celtic salt, but a lot of people prefer Himalayan salt because it's and that's the pink stuff because it's dry and it's small grained and so on. Yeah. Do you think that that is a relatively poor product? Well, well, it can be. I mean, I would rather have mine fresh from the sea. You know, uh, water doesn't hang out in the Himalayas these days. You know, the sea is more down here than up there, and seas generally don't come in pink. So the question is, as it's rained through the salt mine, something has washed the pink in and 
Presumably, if stuff's washed in, the more soluble minerals, for instance, will be washed out. So I'd rather have sea salt. But, you know, people like it because it's pink, of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's move on to another question then. And, and somebody here asking about uh, night sweats uh, and uh, not getting a proper night's sleep. Um, a proper night's sleep is something that uh, many people uh, are lacking. Uh, and I suppose stress is probably the most common reason for that. But I mean, how, how would you approach this problem? Well, I think you're absolutely right that stress is the, the big issue. And when we're stressed, the body counters that by burning our magnesium reserves. So pretty much everybody is way more stressed than should be. Therefore, we're all low on magnesium. I am pretty much everybody is. And um, it is essential if you want to sleep well to get enough magnesium. How much might you need? Would it be one capsule, two capsules? Well, it might be way more. It may be that you need eight capsules over a period of a day. May need You might need 12 if you're really large. You might need even more than that. Personally, I take generally between five and eight capsules of a mixed magnesium blend a day. And what used to happen with me uh, is I get used to get muscle cramps and wake up in the morning and I'd stretch and my leg or my foot would be really painful for a few minutes. But I knew that when that happened, it was because I was low on magnesium. And so I take magnesium regularly. I don't have to take it every day because it'll last for a bit. But most days I will take it. And I would say it keeps me calm. You know, people say, oh, you're so calm. Well, you know, I'm anxious underneath, you know, to some degree. But magnesium chills me right out. I've had people who've taken magnesium who've been so chilled out that um, they became no longer suicidal. You know, it changes. Magnesium is the big one. If there's only one thing I could recommend, it would be magnesium because it sorts out arrhythmias of the heart where the heart beats unevenly sorts out twitches around the eyes, constipation, arthritis, uh, often backache, although that could be, it could be all sorts of reasons that that's happening. But it's amazing. And uh, you, want, you want to sleep well, you could go out and buy, say, 10 or 25 kilos of magnesium chloride, which is Epsom salts, and put like a whole kilo in the bath. If you've got a bath, Put a whole kilo in, lots, don't be skimpy with it, and as hot as you, you enjoy, and stay there, if you can, for 20 or 25 minutes. Now, some people, if they have that late at night, just sleep right through the night, just no problem at all. Um, so it's something to experiment with. If you take too much magnesium at one time, you can end up in the bathroom with diarrhea. So... Uh, most people can take two at a time. Some people can take more than that at a time. You have to experiment. But uh, take two several times a day or one several times a day, and you might find things change in, in a lot of ways. And assuming uh, able to source qual good quality food, what kinds of foods would have magnesium in it? Vegetables. Vegetables. So, you know, blood, uh, hemoglobin is iron-based. Vegetables, chlorophyll is magnesium-based. 
So unfortunately, modern farming methods have stripped magnesium from the soil, so it's not where it used to be. Uh, you know, it can't, you know, it's just not in the foods anymore. It's very difficult to get enough magnesium, even if you're eating green leafy vegetables all day. Um, it, it's hard to get, particularly because of the stress we're under. Uh, it's interesting, Clive, uh, that uh, so far you've only mentioned vitamin C once in one of the answers. Uh, now, there was a, a doctor, I believe, uh, recently coming out and saying, uh, forget vitamin C, it's a waste of time. Uh, don't even bother with it. I mean, what, what's, how, how important is it and uh, uh, it, how short are we of it? The first time I ever saw, uh, you, know, you know that um, sign of the zodiac uh, that's a crab, right? Yeah, it represents a certain illness you're not allowed to talk about. And um, so uh, the first time I saw that uh, reversed was with vitamin C. Um, Linus Pauling, who won the Nobel Prize twice, recommended to this person who I knew that they took 35 grams of vitamin C uh, every day in divided doses, and they were given weeks to live. And, you know, the tumor was growing and so on. Uh, and it totally shrunk the tumor and they lived another 20 years. And when they didn't die, it was, I'll spell it with a K, cancer. They, they didn't die from that. Um, so vitamin C blew me away. Uh, this was 35 years ago or something. First time I saw vitamin C work like that. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, uh, Linus Pauling was on the front cover of, I think it was Time magazine, saying that vitamin C uh, uh, is the answer for the common cold. And you know, I used to get colds every year, maybe three times a year, up until about 18 years ago. And I made a couple of changes to my life. First thing I did was to take vitamin D in winter. Never got a cold again. Vitamin C can be useful you know, for, for a number of things, but vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, for some people they need that. It can be the answer to you know, what are commonly known as viruses. So you're saying it can be the answer. My question is, how do, how do people identify? Because everybody's different. And so one question I have, this applies to food and to, to uh, supplements as well, or to, to vitamins, vitamins and minerals. How do people find out what it is that works for them? Well, good question. I suppose partly intuition, partly experimentation. I mean, I went vegan for a while, a few years back, I mean, and I was eating beans and pulses and just vegan, vegan, vegan. And the first thing I noticed uh, was that my gut motility wasn't as good as it used to be. It, I tried it for, for a long time and it just didn't agree with me. It did not agree with me. Uh, other people I've seen vegan diets, you know, do incredible things. The thing that's People have been telling me most recently that's basically fixed their problems, and I'm not recommending this, is for a time going carnivore, just eating meat and meat products. Um, I, I, various of my clients have reported that that was it. They tried every diet known to man, but uh, actually they needed a carnivore diet, not necessarily forever, but some people I know are permanently on a carnivore diet. 
for me, I like a balanced diet, really. Uh, you know, I think going one way or another is dangerous, but I think there's a time and a place for it. You know, if somebody urgently needs to detoxify, they are poisoned and feeling awful. And maybe they're overweight. A vegan diet for a month, a healthy organic vegan diet for a month might be exactly what they need. Uh, for other people who've got bowel issues, uh, perhaps, um, and thin, it may be that the carnivore diet is what they need for a while. As you say, everybody's different. And really, it's experimentation. I mean, one could use muscle testing, you know, kinesiology. You could go to somebody who's an expert of kinesiology or do it yourself. You can. Some people are really good at doing it themselves. You know, they put, put two fingers together and, like, pull their finger through it. It goes through. They ask a question, is this good for me or something? And, it, you know, if it's good, you'll be strong. If it's not good, you'll be weak. Uh, some people are, are really good with that sort of stuff. Um, so you could find out. You could do a food, um, you know, a blood test for, for food types. You know, loads of people suddenly discover that actually it was a weird food group like radishes, cucumber. The radish cucumber family, uh, it turns out, if you have a, an allergic reaction to it, it can happen four days after you've eaten it, which seems crazy. But uh, for some people... That sort of thing can be useful, uh, you know, a food sensitivity test. Where do you get a food sensitivity test if you want to do one of these? Well, there are lots of uh, companies who offer it. And um, right now, I don't know who would be the best to recommend, but I might know by next month because um, myself and uh, a couple of my colleagues went to the world's largest longevity festival, uh, several days and hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors and speakers and so on. And I picked up all the catalogs of the various food intolerance testing people. And it's something I'm trying to get to the bottom of as to which, which is the best. But if you go online, you, you might be convinced yourself by, you know, all of them should be good at this point. You know, it, it's a science that's been around so long. Something that a lot of people, uh, suffer from or think they suffer from is uh, gluten intolerance and and IBS and so on. Uh, and of course, when I say think they suffer from, because of course, it can be really tricky, it seems, to get to the bottom of what's actually causing the problem. Uh, I mean, is, is there a strategy that you can think of that to help people identify that? Or is, is it, again, going back to, to get a test? Well, funnily enough, I was reading a study about this last week, and it turns out that the people who think they're suffering from a gluten intolerance, um, only 20% are actually helped by giving up gluten. And the other 80% still have what they think is a wheat, you know, gluten-type problem. So uh, the easy way would be to uh, cut out uh, all gluten and see if that makes a difference. But the light, I mean... Why they say that why gluten and wheat can be a problem is that if your gut lining, which is only one cell wall thick but very tightly joined, those tightly tight junctions aren't really tight, little particles of protein from the bread or the gluten can slip through the gut lining and into the bloodstream and be an irritant. That's you know what one of the theories is. And if that's true, well, we want to be improving our gut lining, we want to be having tight junctions, and there are various 
things that will give you tight junctions, um, restoring your original probiotic balance. You know, we were born with probiotics in our gut from our ancestors, but things like antibiotics or drugs often tend to deplete those. It doesn't wipe them out, but now they'll be depleted and some of the bad guys will come in. So there are materials, you know, prebiotics, which will, if you eat them, allow your natural gut bacteria to regrow and make the junctions tight. So one could look at prebiotic food, or I do a supplement called Panaceum, which is a sort of very, very high-class version of doing that. Um, so repairing the gut lining. Now, fulvic minerals, the natural mineral supplement, very inexpensive. Uh, fulvic minerals help rebuild the tight junctions. Um, but it may be that giving grains a rest for a month or two, you know, might be might be the best thing. Just give the gut a rest, give it time to recover. And with IBS, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people, if they if they're strong enough, fast. You know, they stop eating. Uh, you know, they want to do a fast intelligently, so you're not low on minerals and vitamins when you're doing it. Um, and the gut can heal. You know, we forget that if we're constantly pumping food in all the time, maybe it hasn't got time to heal. If you cut your hand and you kept on rubbing it, it might never heal. So, you know, if you've got a cavity in your tooth, the same applies. If you keep it sterile, leave it alone, stop eating for a bit, the tooth can regrow just like your fingernails regrow and your gut can repair itself. Um, I'd like to hark back to one question that we didn't answer, which was night sweats. Why does somebody have night sweats? Well, it's quite likely to be that the body is poisoned and is trying to sweat them out. So that's the first thing to consider. So should one eat bread? Well, personally, I love bread. Now, I should be saying, I hate the word should, uh, I should be saying, well, look, carbs tend to make you fat. Uh, carbs turn to sugar, carbs are bad, carbs are bad. However, I don't fully believe it, but they are for some people, clearly. So when I eat uh, bread, I am scrupulous about it in that I get really, really high-quality bread. Either I'd make it myself <clears throat> from old varieties of grains. Luckily, flour is cheap for the amount of bulk that it makes, and yeah, I know some people can't afford it, but I would be buying, if I was making it myself, I would be buying old types of grain, spelt or camut or there are various ones, or I'd at least make sure that it was from a decent variety grown without chemicals. You know, when the wheat or the oats or the corn is ripe, farmers these days, the non-organic ones, spray glyphosate herbicide on the corn or the wheat to kill it and dry it out. Because if it's dry, it's much easier to harvest than if it's wet. Right? So they're spraying damaging chemicals 
on your food to make it easier for them to harvest. It's not even that it's just to make it easier for them to harvest. They can't sell it unless it's below a certain uh, moisture content. So whatever it is, they've got to get They have to get it below a certain uh, moisture content before they can even ship it to the to the uh, the distributor. So uh, there's that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So, you know, there are cheats going on, whether you're whatever profession you're in. Um, I, I can tell you something funny from the Longevity Festival, which will be interesting to anybody who's ever had bioresonance treatment. Um, you know, bioresonance is where a device scans your body and they describe it as quantum. Uh, scans your body at a quantum level and will tell you whether you're well or not. So over the years, I've been, you know, a little bit interested in bioresonance. It's not really something I've done, but I've been interested in it. Had it done on me a few times. Anyway, I went to see uh, a, a company and um, they said to me, well, you know, they're the latest from Germany, right? The best, best, best out, ludicrously expensive. So they, they told me, I'm sure there's better. Anyway, they explained to me that um, the program comes in various lengths. Most practitioners run it for 45 minutes. And what happens in those 45 minutes is you get all these screens of the, the parts of the body and all this wonderful stuff going on. Very, very impressive. And she said to me, but of course, you, the practitioner, get your result uh, instantly. I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, well the 45 minutes, that's just uh, for billing purposes. You know, you, uh, yes, we get the result instantly, but... Uh, you know, we have to entertain the patient for 45 minutes so we get, can make the money. Oh, wow. And the same is true when you buy a ticket for an airline. You know, you, you go on a holiday and it, it says it's checking all these airlines, right, over and over and over. And that's just to keep you engaged after you spent 45 seconds waiting for your results to come up. It came up in a microsecond, obviously. That's what a computer will do. Let's come back onto uh, gut for a second and gut health, because uh, two things I want to th consider here. You've mentioned pre prebiotics. I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about what prebiotics are, because many people won't have heard that term. Um, but the other thing that, I th that I'd be interested to get your thoughts on is uh, acid reflux and, and indigestion and this kind of thing. Now, um, most people, whenever they're thinking in terms of acid reflux or indigestion, they're thinking in terms of an antacid tablet, something that uh, reduces the amount of acid in the stomach uh, and, and so on. Um, but I can't remember whether it was you or somebody else told me that, in fact, uh, what we have at the top of the stomach to stop the acid coming back up is uh, a, a muscle which is held closed and that actually if, if we don't have enough acid in our stomach, that muscle will relax and that can cause uh, some of the acid to come up and, and cause pain. So, so could you discuss those two issues? Okay. Uh, if you're low on magnesium, uh, the, the, the valve at the top may not close as well. So magnesium can help. Uh, doctors, the press, pretty much everybody is totally and deliberately misled to believe that uh, if you have acid reflux, you, know, you lie down, for instance, there's acid coming back up your throat and burning you, that, that, is, uh, that you're making too much stomach acid. This is not the case. Uh, as you get older, we make less of everything. We make less stomach acid. Um, so people take an anti-acid, an antacid, to fix an acid stomach, 
And yes, it fixes it because the acid that they're fixing isn't the acid they think it is. It's going to be things like lactic acid. So um, if you, most people are making enough stomach acid, therefore, you know, they might, they might have all sorts of gut issues. It might, might be distended, you know, they might be burping, all sorts of problems. So the simple, if, that, if this is you, you've got acid reflux, first thing to do is to get some organic apple cider vinegar and try a tablespoonful or a tablespoonful two or two, two tablespoonful, tablespoonfuls in water and drink it at the beginning of a meal, uh, you know, at the start. That should help make stomach acid. Alternatively, you can use uh, a supplement, which you can buy online very inexpensively, less than 10 pounds, called betaine, ideally betaine and pepsin. And that's like a beetroot extract. Or you can take uh, hydrochloric acid tablets, you know, the acid in the stomach is hydrochloric acid. But you don't want to do that for a long time. Just a couple of weeks of any of those methods should help kickstart the body back into making its own stomach acid. And then you won't get acid reflux because um, it's too little stomach acid that causes the acid that gives the reflux. You've got enough stomach acid, you won't get the reflux. Prebiotics? Prebiotics are things like uh, vegetables, artichokes, asparagus. There are a number of sort of fibrous uh, vegetables that work as prebiotics. Just look, look up prebiotics and there, there are loads of them. Um, I have a supplement which is uh, made from um, uh, types of monosaccharides, types of sugars, which you know, aren't bad sugars. They don't do bad things to you, but the gut bacteria love them specifically. So if you're not into eating a whole bunch of prebiotic vegetables, um, you know, th that's the easy way to go. Take one, uh, one capsule. Other things you could do, you know, um, bone broth. If somebody's got a, a IBS, you know, various bowel problems, it could be that the grains are doing the irritation, could be that uh, milk is doing some irritation, but I would definitely uh, consider bone broth if, if you're into that uh, and cut out offending foods. I mean, again, most people find that if they fast for a bit, um, the bowel can heal itself back up again. If they've got, if they've got the facility to make glutathione, that will help the bowel heal, heal up again. If the answer to this is the same as the previous one, uh, just say so, but uh, uh, somebody else asking about dental health and, and particularly gum health, uh, but also saying that calcium supplements are promoted uh, for uh, you know bone depletion and, t and teeth and so on. Uh, I hear in the grapevine that calcium supplements end up leaching calcium from bones. A fact check would be appreciated. Nobody should be taking a calcium su supplement there are good forms of calcium and bad forms of calcium. Um, there's a, a form made from pearls. Um, there's a brand out there called Pearlsium, which I'm told is very good. I'm using a Chinese brand uh, to uh, get the right type of calcium into me. But most people don't need calcium at all. I'm not even sure that I do, other than the food I'm eating you know, green leafy vegetables give you a lot of calcium. Dairy gives you a lot of calcium. 
Uh, most people don't need any additional calcium. The vitamin K2 and magnesium are what you need to drive calcium in where it should be. What about the gum uh, issue? Yeah. Mean, if people have infections and so on. Okay, the first thing for the gums that I recommend is vitamin C. Um, you know, a lot of people with a vitamin C deficiency have receding gums, maybe bleeding gums, and we call that scurvy. You know, a lot of people have got mild scurvy because they're not getting the vitamin C through the food or through supplementation that they should be. You know, years ago, nobody needed vitamin C supplementation. You know, I mean, obviously sailors did because they were away from vegetables and got scurvy. Um, but uh, a lot of people now, because they aren't eating properly, actually do need vitamin C. And if your teeth are bleeding or whatever it is, vitamin C is the first thing to consider. Little and often, you know, in water, little and often, avoid the stuff. Okay, most vitamin C is now made from genetically modified materials. So if you're going to buy vitamin C, you know, stuff that I sell is, is non-GMO. You want it to actually say non-GMO on it, ideally. Um, very inexpensive. And, uh, you know, it is, you know, magnesium is the ultimate mineral. Vitamin C is the ultimate vitamin. Um, it is incredible. I'm not uh, giving away any secrets here, but uh, Vanessa's had uh, uh, kidney stone problems recently. Uh, what what do, is the best way to deal with stones, whether they be in kidney or bile duct or wherever they happen to be? So there are a couple of different types of stones. Um, in South America, they use a herb, which is called chanca piedra, which translated in Spanish means stone breaker. And chanca piedra uh, can just dissolve stones. Now, if the stones are in the gallbladder, it's worth considering why they're there. Is it because you're eating way too much fat and the gallbladder can't keep up with the bile secretion and now you're getting stones? Or could it be you're eating too little fat? A lot of stones are caused by stagnation of the gallbladder because people aren't eating enough butter, cream, animal fat, cheese, eggs, and they're eating the wrong type of oils. And so very often the gallbladder gets stuck with stones, which can be ludicrous, ludicrously painful. Your kidney stones can be horrendous. So um, in certain parts of the world, they know what to do. Um, what a lot of doctors want to do is to take out your gallbladder, and that, that's a disaster. Some doctors use uh, like ultrasound, to break up the stones. Um, I have a supplement, um, which is, uh, if I remember rightly, called Xenoplex, and uh, it's a suppository, and uh, it contains Trancopiedra, uh, EDTA, a few materials that use this as, pos as a suppository. There is a, a direct a link to the liver from the bowel. So um, that that can be a decent way to deal with that. I have a question here. Uh, an MND uh, consultant told me today that he didn't take zinc as a depleted copper, which can then cause neurological issues. Um, and uh, I suppose that they're asking uh, uh, what you think about that. Okay, so NMD is motor neurone disease, <coughs> which is one of the more difficult ones, unfortunately, to 
uh, sort out. Zinc does deplete copper. I make, some people uh, have too much copper anyway, so taking zinc is fine. I'm one of those people. I've, I did a hair mineral analysis, and I've got a lot of copper. Uh, so I, I sell a, um, a supplement uh, that is zinc by itself, then I do a zinc and copper. And for most people, taking the zinc and copper combined is important because it's not um, – what's important with zinc and copper is that the level, whether it's high or low, is the same of each. You know, if one's high and one's low, that's the problem. So taking a little bit of the copper, a tiny amount, I can't remember what percentage it is, but less than 5% copper to zinc is, is the way forward. If you've got copper pipes in your house for the plumbing, you might not need the extra copper because you're getting it in the water as, the, as it goes through the pipes. Yeah, motor neuron disease, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, but if one takes each individual symptom of NMD and look, looks at it, you know, looks at pain, looks at paralysis, look whatever the problems are, rather than looking at MND as a whole and saying, oh, it's, it's incredibly difficult, taking each element and getting the supplement for it or changing the diet might help. The other thing that might help, can help some people, are frequency devices. You know, there are a number of frequency devices out there I favor the historic ones, the ones that were um, you know, invented primarily by Nikola Tesla. Um, and for some people it helps, but it, there's no guarantee for motion neuron, unfortunately. We're just about out of time, Clive. So let's end with, with uh, uh, this one. Uh, what is, what's Clive's take on alternative sweeteners such as honey and fruit? If you are diabetic or pre-diabetic, um, any type of sugar, May raise, may raise your insulin levels. So, I mean, basically, if you're not diabetic, everything in moderation, no problem. Um, would our ancestors have been eating mangoes at this time of year? Probably not. Um, it, it's, uh, I think everybody's got to use their intuition. And uh, honey, if you've got a bad cough, honey and lemon, fantastic. I mean, honey is a brilliant, brilliant medication. I mean, if you've got, if you've got a cut, you can put honey straight on the open wound. Brilliant for healing. You know, honey is an amazing supplement. What I wouldn't be using is agave. Uh, you know, um, I would be using a natural materials. But even things like ma maple syrup, um, depending on how they're – if, if they're just extracted naturally from the tree, well, great, but too much – not so good. Does honey uh, suffer from environmental issues like other products? I mean, if, if bees are, are making the honey in a in a city environment with lots of pollutants, does that end up in the honey? Well, it's got to, I think. I mean, I personally, I buy forest honey that's come from somewhere a bit exotic. Uh, I mean, in Romania, for instance, they do forest honeys that are fantastic, you know, multi-floral forest honeys. And the you know, in, in the forests of Romania, it's untouched. You know, yeah, they might have some dropout from stuff, but you know, it's, it's about as healthy as environment as you can get. It seems crazy to have to be so pedantic about about what we eat, but um, I, I most of what I see, you know, the problems of health problems are 
because people are poisoning themselves. Okay, well, let, let me just end on this question then, uh, because obviously we are living in a polluted environment at many, many levels, not just uh, food and water, but also EMF and so on. Um, I mean, how how optimistic or pessimistic are you about the body's ability to, to deal with most of that? Well, we're incredibly resilient. I mean, we're designed to survive anything as assuming we're taking active efforts to try and get toxins out and not to put them in and give ourselves the nutrition that is missing for most people. You know, a lot of people just aren't getting enough animal fat and they've got fibromyalgia and all sorts of problems as a result of that. Um, you know, it, we can do it. We are very, very strong and resilient. And, um, yeah, I, I, I remain very optimistic. Uh, but at the end of the day, the whole system has to change. You know, the system that rules the planet, the whole thing has to change uh, and be run by people who, people who aren't psychopaths. Yes. Okay. Well, look, thank you very much, uh, Clive, for that. That's the first episode of the new series. Uh, next time, I think we're probably going to, it'll be your program next time uh, with probably an interview guest, some more questions maybe. Uh, but I just want to say thank you very much for that. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have fun. Well, thank you so much. I really help. This is help, helping people. And if uh, people want more information, I do have this thing called secrethealthclub.com. It's a paid to join thing, but I've always felt that information should be free. So if you want the information that's there, secrethealthclub.com, um, I'll join you up for a discount price or for free. Just send me an email uh, because we need to get this healing information out there. It's not, not so difficult to be healthy. Thank you. See you next time.